welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. So, uh, so it's been a crazy week. Um, it's been really great, though, just getting to be with family. And, and uh, just, just to start out, this doesn't really have anything to do with my message, but it's, I think this is something that's, that's important uh, to say. In Psalms 100, the Bible says, enter, in, in the message version, it says, enter God's presence with the password, thank you. And, and one of the ways we really begin to experience God in our life is when we practice gratitude. And we, and we practice gratefulness. And I don't know um, where you're at right now. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're disappointed by. I don't know what you're, what you're discouraged by. But there's stuff for all of us that God has given us that we can be grateful for. And um, I was very tired during that prayer. Maybe that's how I sound all the time. But I, I feel like... <laughs> uh, and I didn't know the camera was going to be that close. But... Um, but, but overwhelmingly this past week has just been, yes, I'm so grateful that, personally, I'm so grateful that God, we really believe, healed my dad. They said in the ICU, they said the only time we usually release someone straight from the ICU to the street is when they're going to the morgue. And uh, so we were glad to have the opposite thing happen, that he went straight from the ICU to walking out the door. They did a whole bunch of blood tests and sonograms and everything. He's got 0% blockage in any artery or any vessel in his heart. And, uh, you know, you're going to hear more from Pastor Keith, but we just believe it's a, it's a bona fide miracle. But even more than that, while I was driving overnight to get there, uh, there's no such thing as a red eye to that part of the country. It's like that it had to happen in this place that no one could get to quickly anyway. It's a whole nother thing. <laughs> While I was driving all night, I was just thinking about, you know what, like if, if you know, and I'm a doom and gloom guy, I struggle with it. Um, my dad's the faith guy. I'm the fear guy. <laughs> um, but, no, you know, it's not a, anyway, just let me talk. So... <laughs> So, uh, so I'm driving and I'm thinking about, you know what, like here's the thing I can be grateful for. I don't have anything that's unsaid to my dad. He's going through heart surgeries, having a stent put in. The doctors don't know what the diagnosis is. They don't know what the future is going to look like. But in my mind, it's like I'm grateful for the fact that there's no regrets for me. And there's nothing like that. And I'm grateful that I've had a dad like that, that, you know, even at 31, uh, that like, oh my gosh, I just, I get to have the family that I have and have the marriage that I have because I've had a, I had a leader that's in front of me. So what I was overwhelmed by that gave me so much peace was, was gratitude. And so I want to start this, this part, this time in the service by just encouraging all of us to do that. No matter where we're at, no matter what we've been discouraged by, no matter what's kind of hitting us right now in our life, I'm going to pray, but I want, I want to encourage you to just think about something that you can be grateful for. Because that is, according to the Bible, that is the password to getting into God's presence. And that's what we want to have um, in our life. So God, we just thank you this morning for what we can thank you for. God, we thank you that you're a great God. God, we thank you that you have a plan in our life. Um, we thank you, like, like we hear Clay say, we thank you that you have a great reputation. God, you have a great reputation with us. You have a great reputation with people that we know. And God, we just, we pray this morning that you would speak to us right where we're at. God, you know exactly where we're at. You know exactly what we're dealing with. You know what we're going through, what our life looks like. 
right now. So God, I thank you that you can speak to us right where we're at. We just pray that you do that, that it would be not about anything that's said from this platform, but it would just be about what you want to do in our lives, through our lives. And God, we just enter your presence uh, this morning with the password. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So uh, (laughs) that's over. So (laughs) on to the next thing. So we're starting this series this weekend called Game Over. If you haven't noticed, it's a video game theme series, and we'll be talking about some different uh, video game subculture things, and I'll do my best to explain that to those of you who do not participate in uh, what is the greatest thing in our society, and that's video games. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, t- so we're starting this series called Game Over, and the, the title today, if I have a title, is Press Start for a New Game. Okay, so that's why I'm wearing this shirt that says press start, because we're going we're to press start for a new game today. We don't have handouts this morning, but we do have uh, notes available online. If you go to live.elevate.life, you can, you can see those, and we're glad to make those available to you. And what I want to do today is I want to reverse it. So, McKinney, can you welcome Frisco? Y'all give Frisco a big hand. All right, now, Frisco, give McKinney a big hand. And... Um, so we're talking, about, we're talking about starting a new game and, um, and just this game over. So I want to talk about game over in your life because Jesus had a game over moment with people. In, in Mark chapter 8, um, you can turn there in your Bible. I'm going to start in verse 34. The Bible says, Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So in this series, just to lay the foundation for the next couple weeks, we're going to try to understand what Jesus meant here in Mark chapter 8. So he, we got to give up our own way. That's what he's saying. Give up your way for the sake of the, the good news, which is the gospel, right? So Jesus said, give up your own way. And when I was a kid, we had, uh, before the internet, right, when you played games, we had stuff like this. So this is, uh, if you played Nintendo 64, if you played The Legend of Zelda, The Ocarina of Time, which is maybe the greatest game ever made, uh, you would have this because there's certain things in, in games before you could look them up on the internet that you could only find out if you had the strategy. So this is called a strategy guide. And uh, what you do with the strategy guide is it took you like level by level. There's little, um, there's maps in here. I'll show you a map. There's a map of the, uh, oh, there's a, the fire temple, right? So showed you how to get through, showed you a map in there. Then in the back, there's little checklists, right? So you could, once you accomplish certain things, you check, check them on the checklist. So, um, you know what? Like, you're a nerd. I'm not a nerd. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, so when I was a kid, what you'd do is you'd get a game, and, and a game like Zelda, is, stuff's just not clearly explained to you, and you've got to kind of know where stuff is. And so you'd have a strategy guide that would lead you through the game so that you could get extra lives, you could get the best weapons, you could get all the different all the different stuff. And so what, what God's word is for us is it's like a strategy guide for life, right? So, so what, what we need to understand is that Jesus 
okay, is trying to give us the strategy. So he's trying to say, here's how it works, here's how you win. So if I'm going to tell you how to win, here's, here's how to win in life, just like in a, in a little simple guide like that. Here's how, to win. here's how to win in this game. Jesus is saying, here's how to win in life. And he says, if you hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose, if you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. So there's a, there's, a, there's a clear delineation that happens here where Jesus says, my way is not any way that you know or that you probably like naturally. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of different ways we can, we can talk about this, okay? But Jesus basically says, game over, give up, no continues, you got to start a new game. So when you start a new game, that means like a new game all the way. You got to go back through the tutorial. You got to figure out the, the way to play. You got to go through all the levels that maybe you feel like you've played before. But that's what, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying there's a way that's not your way. And we need to go that way. Right? So there's a lot of things we could talk about. A lot of stuff we get into. We could talk about Jesus' way versus the American way. We could talk about the kingdom of God versus politics. And uh, I'm not going to talk about that, but Keela did last week. She has a podcast, Love Fiercely Podcast. Check it out. iTunes, podcast, store, Android, whatever they do on Android. I don't know. <laughs> Good luck. Um, <laughs> go download her podcast. She talked about the kingdom of God versus, uh, versus politics. Um, there's, a, there's a kingdom way of thinking. There's a Jesus way of thinking, giving. There's a human way of thinking, taking. Attention versus indifference, being aware versus being indifferent. And we could talk about that. Boldness versus fear, tolerance versus intolerance, love versus hate, and relationship versus rules. There's a whole lot that we could get into, right? Because there's a whole lot that happens in, not just in America, but in our American version of Christianity, that uh, the reputation of Christians, by the way, is not tolerance. I don't know if you know that. Um, hate to break it to you. We're not known for being super tolerant. Jesus was, not us. There's a difference, there's a difference between the Jesus way, following Jesus. Jesus says to follow me. Jesus, didn't, Jesus never one time called anybody a Christian. We called ourselves that. So we call ourselves Jesus followers. So Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to claim to follow me, if you're going to live my life, like if you're going to live your life like I live my life, there's some ways that you got to be and you got to give up your way. So can you be a racist and a Christian at the same time? Probably not. Are there people that think that they are? For sure. Are there people that think that that's okay? Definitely. Can you be prejudiced and follow Jesus at the same time? I mean, not according to him, but definitely according to some, some people in our culture. Can you be intolerant of certain things and, and call yourself a Jesus follower at the same time? Sure you could, because no one's like checking your membership card, right? But not according to the strategy guide. It's not a winning strategy. So, so Jesus is saying, there's my way and there's your way, and don't mix them up. Don't, don't add your stuff to it. Your way has to die. I mean, it's very, it's very clear right there in Mark chapter 8. The way that you think works is not the way that works, and you need to let that die because there's something that's more important than just your way happening. So we can't do both. Can't do both my way and God's way. And we've grown up in a culture we're currently in a culture where people in churches, people in society, Christians, well-meaning people, all of that try to add a bunch of stuff to the way. That's not what Jesus intended. 
So Jesus' way is not the American way. Just in case you didn't know, there was not, when Jesus died on the cross, there was not a country called America. There wasn't a such thing as a Republican or a Democrat. There weren't a whole bunch of political beliefs like that. So Jesus didn't die on the cross so we could be conservatives or liberals. He didn't die on the cross so Donald Trump could be president. It's not why he died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross so Barack Obama could be president. When we, when we bring it down to that level, we misunderstand the entire purpose for which, for which Jesus came. And we politicize things like that. So I'm not, this isn't a political message. We're talking about video games. So I'm not going to get... I'm not going to get into all that except to say there's a way that seems right to us, but Jesus' way is very different than that. And it's always going to be different than that. These are two separate things. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, we're going to get into this some next week, but this is the foundational scripture for where we're going. If you don't know where we're going, Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 through 40 the Bible says, one of them, an expert in religious law, came to Jesus and he said, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these commandments. Okay, these, vo- these verses will be important later, but these are foundational for where we're headed. Jesus is talking to a group of people that had developed a system of over 613 laws that everyone had to follow. There were 613 different laws that governed ancient Judaism, and, and um, we'll talk about that some later on. But these, have, these people had developed a system where not just like one law was important, but all the laws were important. So if you don't know what matters most to Jesus, okay, as a Christ follower, those of us in this room who, who call ourselves Christ followers, call ourselves Christians, what did, what did Jesus say? He said, the two, the two things that you got to do, no matter what, that cover everything, are you got to love God really well, and you got to love people like you love yourself. Now, culturally, I would say, not necessarily winning in that area, right? Christians, unfortunately, whatever, it's just the reality of, of what's happening in our culture, are known more for what we're against than what we're for. And that, that wouldn't be probably Jesus' Jesus reputation today. So, um, so Jesus is talking to these people, and he's, given these, and he's given these commandments, okay? And he says, don't worry about all the other ones. Don't worry about the 613. So in my mind, you can worry about 613 different ways you've got to be obedient. You can go find all that out and do all that research. Or you can just worry about the one. Love God and love people really well. That one's hard enough for me. So let's look, at, let's look through this. Let's look at this in terms of Jesus' way, press and start. We need a new game. What you, gotta, what you and I have to admit in our life, no matter where we're at today, is that the way we've been doing it just doesn't work. It's not going to work. It's not a winning strategy. I don't know about you. There's been certain times. I was doing this yesterday, okay? I play video games a lot, right? So I was playing this game, and I didn't like the way that I'd set up my save in this particular game. So I just deleted it and started all over again. Right, just let me start over because I didn't set a good foundation the first time. That's how, that's the way that we need to be in life. And that's what Jesus is saying. Mark chapter eight. What you've been building it on, not working. It's not gonna work. You got a messed up foundation. And I need you, and I need you to do it my way. No matter how old you are, where you, where you come from, what you look like, what your culture's been like. 
I need you to do it my way. So let's look at Jesus' way through the way that he actually lived. I'm not just going to tell you some, some theoretical stuff. I'm going to tell you a story in terms of how he deals with us, how he deals with people. And then that will inform some of the ways that we should be in terms of pressing start on this new game. Okay, so John chapter 8 in the message version, there's a story that many of us are familiar with of the woman that's caught in adultery. Jesus went across to Mount Olives, starting in verse 2, but he was soon back in the temple again. Swarms of people came to him. He sat down and taught them. The religious scholars and the Pharisees led in a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They stood her in plain sight of everyone and said, Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Moses in the law gives orders to stone such persons. What do you say? The Bible says they were trying to trap him into saying something incriminating so that they could bring charges against him. Jesus bent down, wrote with his finger in the dirt. They kept at him, badgering him. He straightened up and said, the sinless one among you go first, throw the stone. Bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. Hearing that, they walked away, one after another, beginning with the oldest. The woman was left alone. Jesus stood up and spoke to her, woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? No one, master, neither do I, said Jesus. Go on your way from now on and don't sin. So in the law of Moses, of which there were 613 different laws, if you want to get a taste for that, check out the book of Leviticus, and that's kind of what it was like. Laws for everything under the sun. The, the, law, the law said that the punishment for adultery was death. So the Pharisees come to Jesus and they put him in a, in a difficult position where mercy and justice are now in, on opposite ends of the spectrum. So it's impossible in this situation, in these guys' minds, for Jesus to give justice and mercy at the same time. So if Jesus says, yeah, we should stone her according to the law of Moses, then what happens is Israel at that time was occupied by Rome. And Jesus is then guilty of inciting a mob in a Roman-controlled area, and that wouldn't really work that well. But then if Jesus says, don't stone her, then he's guilty of not being a Jew because the law of Moses was the thing. It was like the most important thing was that we operated by the laws of Moses. Those, the, mo the most important thing. So if he says, hey, let's not kill her, then, uh, then he's a false prophet and he's not one of us, blah, blah, blah. Not going to work out well. So what he does is he steps down and write, writes in the sand. Nobody knows what he wrote. We still don't know to this day what he wrote. But he said, okay, anyone that's without sin, you guys, you guys are perfectly within your legal rights to kill her. If, if you follow all the, basically, if you're an expert at following all the laws and you know everything that there is to do and you do everything right, then yes, you can totally kill her. Well, one by one, they left. So it shows us something about Jesus that is a way that we should be. This is the strategy for life. Okay, this is the new, this is the new game. This is the way we got to play the game of life. Jesus does not condemn, does not condone sin, but he also doesn't condemn sinners. So he doesn't, he doesn't condone sin, right? There's, there's sometimes those of us who love grace, who doesn't? One of my friends, Bry Sherrill, he has the greatest quote I think I've ever heard in my life. He said, there's nothing more fun than the grace of God. <laughs> think about it. Walking in grace, man. So good. So who doesn't love some grace? But, here's, but here's, here's the truth about how Jesus operates with grace. There's so many times throughout Scripture 
where Jesus says, repent of your sins. Don't, don't keep doing things the way that you're doing. And some of us, sometimes we get, we get ourselves in a mode where, hey, I don't really have to ask forgiveness for anything. God's given me his grace. It's all good, whatever. He doesn't care about the way that I live my life. That's not true. Jesus definitely cared and does care about the way that we live our life. So he doesn't condone sin. He doesn't say, hey, it's cool, like just be a total screw up and don't worry about it. But sin, we have to understand where this word sin comes from. So sin is, a, is, an, is actually a term from archery in the Greek, and it just means to miss what you're aiming for. So when you and I sin, dear God, when we sin, that means that we've missed the mark. So we're aiming, you know, we're aiming for the bullseye, and uh, we shoot someone in the leg, right? <laughs> Sorry, man. Don't know how to do this. So Jesus says that, that when, we, when we sin... Okay, we, 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 ha- we are un- unable to miss the mark. Now, one of the, one of the things that's interesting to me about Christian culture, because I've been raised in it, is the more people talk about how long they've walked with God, the more, uh, the more they just become, hateful is a really strong word, but judgmental about other people's sins. The more, the more people begin to think, hey, like, I can hit the target now. I've walked with God long enough, I can hit the bullseye. And the whole thing about sin is that it's not a mistake. You and I, we all make mistakes, right? Like we all screw up. None of us are perfect. That's the way we uh, make ourselves feel better whenever we mess up relationships and screw everything up. It's like, oh, I'm not perfect, sorry. If you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best, all that kind of stuff, right? (laughs) So it's like we throw that out there. Like I'm just gonna be my worst, so maybe I'll be my best one day out of 365. If If you can't handle me the other 364 days of the year, who cares? Don't need you. Anyway, that's how we justify our behavior, okay, is by saying, hey, nobody's, nobody's perfect, po buddy's nerfect, all that. <clears throat> it's coming. So make its way around the room. So, uh, so, so we, we, live, we, live these li- we live lives that way and we say, hey, like we make mistakes unintentionally. It happens, right? And we, we talk about how, you know, Jesus came to forgive us of those sins. And when we make mistakes, there's times we make mistakes, we don't even know how we've affected people. All that's true. But what do you call someone who makes mistakes on purpose, right? Like what do you do whenever you do things intentionally that you know that you shouldn't be doing? And maybe I'm just talking to me, right? Because there's stuff I do, I'm like, I really shouldn't do this. Right? Like I'll be talking to Courtney, who's my wife, and I'll be like, I really shouldn't say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. You know? <laughs> hear my dad sometimes up here speak. I probably shouldn't say this, but. <laughs> so all of us, we make mistakes on purpose. So what do, you, what do you call that? You know? You call that person a mistaker? Man, that person's just a mistaker, man. They're like an <laughs> intentional mistaker. I don't know what to say about them. No, that's sin. That's what a sinner is. Like a sinner, just, sin, sin just means we miss the mark. That's it. We're aiming for something and we don't hit it, right? But the thing is, we'll never be able to hit the mark. That's the deal about sin. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that God's gift is a grace according to the book. God's grace is a gift according to the book of Ephesians. So God gives us a gift of grace that while we still can't hit the mark, doesn't matter how long you and I have walked with God, we still can't hit the mark. We're still going to screw up, and we're still going to screw up on purpose. It's not one of us. There's not one of us in this room. There's not one person that you know that in their life will not make a mistake on purpose. All of us are going to go, I shouldn't do this, but this is, really, this is really good for me. 
I shouldn't eat a whole half gallon of ice cream in one sitting, but I'm going to do it. Right? So all of us are going to have stuff that we do intentionally. And even in the stuff we do intentionally, Jesus says, hey, don't do that, but I don't condemn you for that. And so what we do sometimes, the longer we walk with God, is we begin to look at people's unintentional mistakes and their unintentional sin and start to treat them like they're intentionally doing that and it offends us, so we start to offend them. So Jesus doesn't condone sin. He doesn't say, hey, it's okay, but that's where grace comes in because it's not okay anyway, but we're not gonna be able to fix it without him. Without his help, we will not stop screwing up. And even with his help, right Those of us who've walked with God for long enough, even with his help, we still screw up way more than we want to, way more than we feel like we should. We still need so much grace, need so much mercy, even though some of y'all know this better than I do. We still need it. So then Jesus says, so the first thing he does, he doesn't doesn't condone sin. So he says, hey, it's not okay, but that's why I'm here, because I love you. I've given you my grace so that you don't have to feel condemned. And then he doesn't condemn sinners. So he doesn't, he doesn't condone sin. He doesn't condemn sinners. So what Jesus is talking to in this story is he's talking to these people that are just like self-righteous. Like how did they, here's my question when I read this. How did they know where to find this lady? Right? Like we caught her in adultery. Where'd you catch her at? Like what were you doing And what does that even mean, like caught her in adultery, right? It's like, bro, y'all were somewhere together, weird stuff happening. Good luck. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Steve, peeping Tom. That should be a sin, right? That's in the 613. That's in there. Don't do that. That's weird, and you make everybody feel uncomfortable. (laughs) So they they knew where to find her right? Um, it's, like, it's like when I was a kid growing up in church, it's like there was always someone that would be like, Josh had his eyes open during prayer. How do you know I had my eyes open? During, you had to look and see that I had my eyes open during prayer, right? We can clap, we can clap for hypocrisy in this church. <laughs> but for real, that's what these people were doing. Like imagine being Jesus in that moment. It's like, hang on, guys. Like I know you. I see your soul right now, right? And I know where you were. And like, Bill, you were with her yesterday. I mean, <laughs> and, where's the, and where's the husband or where's the guy in all this, right? It's like, how come that dude got away with it? Anyway, get into all that. So Jesus didn't condemn her though. He's wrote whatever he wrote in the dirt. And then he's like, hey, just go and sin no more. Like, that is not justice. That's not justice. When the law says you kill somebody for that and they don't get killed, that's mercy. It's not, it's not justice. That's not judgment. Matthew chapter, everyone clap for mercy. So, so Matthew chapter 7, Jesus actually talks about his philosophy. Because the important thing, right, is that is that we have the strategy. So this is the strategy. This is like, how do you win? How do we win this thing? How do we actually be a Jesus follower? 
Okay, so Jesus gives the strategy in Matthew chapter 7, he says, in the message version, he says, don't pick on people, don't jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of, just living your, instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and then you might be fit to offer a washcloth, a washcloth to your neighbor. So the King James Version in, in John chapter 8, this story of the woman caught in adultery, it says these people were convicted by their own conscience. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, like, just you worry about you. How about that? Right? How about, like, once you're past it, once you got all your drama figured out, once y'all don't have any more, like, sexual temptation and stuff, then y'all drag this woman out and let's all kill her. But until we deal with, and here's what Jesus said, right? He said, if a man looks at woman with lust in his heart, he's committed adultery. So unless you can't do that anymore, you know, none of us can kill her. None of y'all. Jesus didn't do that. None of y'all can kill her. And so there's this whole thing that, that happens whenever we, we feel like we walk with God for a long time. We're somehow becoming self-righteous. Like self-righteousness becomes a virtue for us. And being able to, to point out people's issues and their sins and talk about how, you know, that's ungodly and that's this and that's that and that those people got to repent and this is whatever blah 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 about everything that happens people picketing stuff and when you're when you're against stuff you're against people when you and I go like that's a that's an abomination to God dear God I swear that I was gonna send all them to hell they're deceived that is not you never will find a case of Jesus talking that way Jesus didn't walk around and talk about the behaviors that people demonstrated and go, hey, that's an abomination to God. Jesus didn't walk around and tell people, hey, look, like you're gonna go to hell if you don't change this stuff. That's not what he did. He didn't condemn people. That's condemnation. That's literally the definition of condemnation. The Bible tells us that the goodness of God leads people to repentance. And so many times we're trying to get people to repent by telling them how, how trashy they are. Like, man, you're the worst. Ugh. Committing the worst sins against the Lord. Thanks, man. Really changed my heart today. So, like that, that thing when you yelled at me and you judged me, that was like, oh, man, it just spoke to my spirit. Right? So Jesus simultaneously shows us in this passage of Scripture what his response to sin is and what ours should be. So why is it that the longer we walk with God, the more we tend to become these self-righteous people that are trying to like judge people into repentance? So when you start a new game, okay, the old game's over. People are judgmental. Every human being is a hypocrite. We all got drama. We all got issues, whatever. But what we have to do, okay, is we have to say to ourselves, Jesus doesn't want me to be that way. If I'm gonna call myself a Jesus follower, if I'm gonna follow him, I can't be this way. And he wants me to live life a new way. He wants me to play a new game. 
He wants things to be different with me and the people around me. Because you and I know, like probably every person in this room, we've all felt judged at some point. We've all felt criticized at some point. We've all felt condemned by certain people at, at, at different points. So Jesus says, hey, like, just don't, don't do that. Imagine if all you cared about in your life, imagine if all you cared about in your life as it relates to other people is what Jesus cared about. That's loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. And if that was just your goal, not to try to get people to flip, not to try to fix the world, not to try to do whatever. Jesus says, hey, just worry about the beam in your own eye. Worry about the, like, the mess that you got right now. And once, once you're past the mess, then you know, help some people with their mess. But have grace for them. Jesus tells us in John chapter 13, love other people as I have, as I have loved you. And I don't know where we've missed that in our culture. I don't know where like switches get flipped and things happen culturally that prevent us from doing that. And I don't know when, when we decided that as Christians that our responsibility is now to like judge the world and you know, point fingers at people and talk about people's sins and you know, whatever, whatever, on and on and on. But Ephesians chapter four, it tells us to, to speak the truth. Right? We gotta we gotta speak truth, but it tells us to speak the truth in love, which is what Jesus did. There's a whole lot of truth out there, right? We don't need any more. We got it. Understand, I'm an idiot, right? But I need someone to love me. I need someone to care about me as a person. I need someone to insert themselves into my story and care enough about me as a person that they're willing to hear my story and understand where I'm coming from. So human nature is judgmental. Human nature is hypocritical. Human nature is, is all these different ways. But Jesus is saying there's a different way. So come join my new way of doing things. Don't bring that. Don't bring that stuff. There's been too many people that have brought that stuff. It's got to change in our generation what it means to follow Jesus. It just has to. You might not want it to, but it's going to have to. It's going to have to because it's going to have to be more like Jesus. And more like Jesus is less intolerance. More like Jesus is less judgment. More like Jesus is less racism. More like Jesus is a lot more honest hypocrisy. You know what, man? Like, I don't have it right. You come to, you come to my church, man, that pastor, he'll say some stuff, and, like, he's a human being. Right? You come to my church, you get in the leadership environment, and you're going to probably have to navigate some, some drama and some dysfunction in human relationships because we're all just human. But the great thing is that we have the grace of God that's at work in our lives so we don't have to walk around feeling condemned and like we're human garbage. We don't have to do that. So Jesus looks at this woman and he says, he says hey, I don't condemn you. He says, just go and, go and, go and don't sin anymore. Jesus is living out Matthew 22 right, right in front of our face. Love, love people as you want to be loved. So are we, going to be, are we really going to be willing to accept this gift and give it to other people? Are we going to be willing to take the challenge to, to do that or not? Are we going to be willing to say game over to our way? Because, because we don't get to bring it with us. Like I don't get to bring that. I don't get to bring my culture into this thing. I don't get to bring my my ethnicity into this thing. I don't get to bring my orientation on whatever level into this thing. I don't get to play politics with it. Might be other people that do that, but I don't get to play politics with this deal. Jesus did not die on the cross for my political affiliation. Didn't die on the cross for that. So whatever, if you align liberal, good for you. If you align conservative, man, good for you too. 
Thumbs up. We can debate about all that stuff all day. But one thing we cannot debate about is what this whole thing is supposed to be about, and that's loving people and being, and being loving towards people and being tolerant of them and letting God work on them through us. So you and I don't get to put timelines on people's transformation. We don't get to say, hey, this thing has got to change and that thing's got to be different and you know, you better make sure you don't go to hell and you better make sure this doesn't happen. You better make sure you repent. You better turn or burn. You better fix this stuff, you know. God, use them or lose them, you know, stuff like that. What? At what point did, did, that, did that thing start to happen? At what point does that start to happen for us? Where we just go, yeah, this is cool. It's cool for us to be this way. It's not cool. It's not, what, it's not what Jesus designed the thing to be about. What he, what he shows us is that there's, there's his way and there's our way and those things are always different. And so we have to be more and more, we have to have more and more of an understanding of like in the midst of my drama, in the midst of all the things that I'm messed up in, in the midst of all my dysfunction, man, God loves me so much. And he loves me so much, but he doesn't just love me, he loves everybody. He loves all the people in the world that he's ever created the same way that he loves me. He loves people that are terrorists like that. He loves people that don't share my sexual orientation like that. He loves people that don't share my political beliefs that, that way. He loves people that aren't the same color of skin that I have that way. He loves people that are from some different culture. He loves people all around the world the same way that he loves me. And the same way that I wanna feel about myself is how other people need to feel about me. I don't get to have cultural divides. I don't get to have this stuff that I'm, I'm against this and I'm against that. I'm for people, because God's for people. If God wasn't for a person, he would have never created them. And that's, that's tough up here when you live in America in 2019. That's tough up here after 9-11, when all the politics get played all the time. That's tough up here when we watch what we watch on the news and we deal with what we deal with in our cultures, that's tough whenever, you know, we come from the places that we come from and people are certain ways that they are. That's tough. But Jesus says, shut it down. Press start for a new game. Just, just be a part of this thing. Understand that what, what, what Jesus is saying, understand that what I'm trying to do through you is bigger than all that. It's bigger than your culture. It's bigger than what has offended you. It's bigger than what hurts you. It's bigger than your politics. And we should always vote our values. We should always buy into our values, but not at the expense of making other people feel like they're our enemy. If you feel like a person is your enemy or if someone feels like they're your enemy, they're not doing it right. It's not an excuse. You can excuse a whole bunch of stuff, right? None of us have the answer to healthcare, dear God. We can talk about that stuff all day, but you and I, if we're gonna call ourselves Christ followers, we cannot negotiate our way out of this. I can't find a version of this thing that allows me to stay judgmental. I can't find a version of this thing that gives me permission to criticize people. I can't find a version of this thing that allows me to point my finger at someone else and say, your sin is too great and you're, and you're messed up and you're a mistake and you gotta repent. And the way that you are, God's not happy about that. God's not happy about anything with us, but guess what? He sees us through the lens of grace. 
And he says, I don't see you that way because of anything that you do. I see you that way because of who I am. And if we can just understand that enough to look at people the same way, that is what changes the world. So I want everyone that can hear my voice, whether you're here in Frisco or in McKinney, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Because here's the, here's the, main, here's the main thing. Some of us have been, uh, you know what, if you've gone to church more than once, you've probably been hurt by someone in the church. If you've been around a Christian, you've probably been hurt by a Christian, but Christian is just another label that we put on ourselves. We're all human beings. One of the, the thing that you and I have to understand the most, we have to have a revelation in our hearts of, of the grace that God gives to us that we don't deserve, that we can't earn, that makes no sense, that in the midst of our worst, God is at his best. Bible says God's power is made perfect in the midst of our weakness. So if you feel super weak right now, that is where God is the most perfect in your life. It's where God wants to minister to you the most and make you feel the most loved because he created you the way that you are. He's given you your purpose. He's given you your destiny and he wants to help you and I discover that. He wants to help us find that. He wants us to not be condemned in that. He doesn't want us to feel like we're not good enough, but the truth is we're not good enough anyway and that's why he's here. That's why Jesus died on a cross, because you and I, we can't make it. There's not enough good we can do. There's just this gift, there's this gift of grace that says, you know what, there's a new way of doing things and just be open to letting God lead you and following Jesus and modeling your life after him and let him do that. Let him lead you. So if you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed, or you're in McKinney and you just know in your, in your heart, right? You just know in your knower that you're not right with God right now. God's already right with you. He already loves you. You just know you haven't made that decision yet to accept that grace. You've maybe condemned yourself. You felt condemned by other people. You felt like you're not good enough. You felt like it's not going to be enough. You've, you've allowed yourself to be held back. God's, God's this morning saying to you, hey, I've given you this gift. I just want you to feel loved by me. The Bible says he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And that's where God is right now. We have to be the ones that just decide to let him in. That's just a decision that, that you and I make to put ourselves in a position to just be right with him and allow him to lead us and guide us and allow our lives to look like he wants them to look. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna count you in a prayer. We're not gonna do anything weird. I'm not gonna call you forward. I just wanna count you in a prayer. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Say, that's me. I just know I need to get some things right between me and God. I need to. I need to let Jesus be Lord in my life. I wanna have a relationship with him. I wanna follow him. Is there anybody else? I just wanna give you an opportunity. Or you can put your hands down. I want everyone that can hear my voice to just pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Help me love people now that I love you. Be Lord of every area of my life. In your name I pray, amen. Can we give those people that made that decision a big hand? Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you wanna to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.